Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Hello and welcome to this special little bonus episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. Um, and I say special little episode, I think it's still probably going to total about an hour. Uh, this episode is comprised of a couple things. First of all, if you haven't heard uh, or watched the stream, Ken Daniels of Bally Sports Detroit and obviously Red Wings lead broadcaster um, jumped on our live stream towards the end of it on on our NHL draft day one stream. And it was like five hours in. So there was about anywhere from 850 to 1,000 of you who are still watching, but uh, that still means quite a few of you weren't uh, weren't tuned in probably because it was the end of the night at that point. So we want to package that uh, and and pull that together and and put it out for you as a uh, as some content because we think it was a good discussion. Obviously, anytime we have a chance to hear Ken's thoughts, uh, it's always a good time. So that is what's going to be the first part of the episode. Um, of course, it's from a live stream, so the audio is not the best. So I apologize for that. Tried to clean it up as best I could, but um, figure it's uh, it's worth it to hear Ken's thoughts. And the second part of this episode is uh, Evan and I tackling the rest of the overtime questions from the draft review episode, which is uh, only being split up because on some episodes, obviously major events like the NHL draft, we get a ton, a ton, a ton of comments. So we don't really have time to get to them all, but um, we really mean it when we say the Patreon supporters are the lifeblood of the show. So we want to take the time to address those comments and questions. Uh, and they were good ones. So um if you haven't listened to on that note, if you haven't listened to the draft review episode, that is our biggest episode of the year for as long as the Red Wings are rebuilding, which has been some time now. Um, so if you haven't given that a listen yet, uh, go tune in. However, you're listening to this podcast, I guess. Um, it's a big episode, but it's one that we really love doing. And it's the summary, the analysis, the grades, everything you could want with the NHL draft and specifically who Eisman and the Red Wings drafted. The conversation is going to continue, of course, but make sure you tune into that one. So without further ado, uh, tune into this conversation that we had with Ken Daniels of Valley Sports Detroit. Enjoy. Hello, Ken. What's going on? Everyone, this is, of course, Ken Daniels. Uh, Ken, thanks for joining us tonight. I'm sorry I was so late responding to your email. That's right. I got nothing else to do. I'm watching the draft. <laughs> yeah, something happening tonight? Uh, yeah. It was an exciting night, I got to say. Um, I'm getting texts from people saying Steve Eisenman's a better executive than he was a player. I said, hang on a minute now. He's a pretty damn good player. So, <laughs> it, tough. So, Ken, obviously this was a big night for the Red Wings, and they took two, you know, presumably big swings. Um, one with Simon Edmondson, which wasn't an off-the-board pick, but they're saying that this guy with all the tools is going to – they want him to be their number one guy on the left side. And then moving up eight picks to take a goaltender a lot of people had, not as the first-ranked goaltender of the first round. What's your take? Uh, well, my take is – First on the on the pre-draft show that we did on Bally Sports, uh, as we ended the show, I said the Red Wings can use their assets to move up from 22 or 23, whatever number you want to call it, uh, to move in front of Ken Holland, who wound up not wanting the goaltender, I guess. That's another point I didn't quite understand. However, uh, to move up in front of Ken Holland and get the goalie they need to use the assets. And I was saying Sebastian Cosa at that time, thinking Wallstead may be gone, but I think the Red Wings, and obviously they did, they like Cosa better anyway. Um, so I, I just found it really rich when I think about it now, when the deal was made that Steve moved past Ken Holland working with Jim Nill to do so. I, I found that like delicious actually, but you know, um, but as it turns out, Ken Holland didn't want the goalie. I didn't quite get that because Wallstead may be more ready uh, than than Sebastian Kose is. And I thought in a couple of years or two or three years, Edmonton doesn't have anything in the pipeline. Now, whether Kenny's deal's up by then, he's not worried about then. But even then, whom he picked the center isn't going to be ready in that time anyway. So it was a little strange to me, but obviously moving back for Edmonton, and getting the extra pick, as you know, Ken likes to do that, and as many kicks to the can as you can get. So, obviously, they wanted that player more in a goalie. I guess that's a debate for another day, and they'll be all over that in Edmonton. Um, but certainly on the back end in uh, in Edmonton, I, I think they got a horse back there. Uh, a horse now with Edmonton, you could call him Mr. Ed 
actually. Yeah, and you guys are too young to know about Mr. Ed, the talking horse back in the black and white days. But maybe we can coin him Mr. Ed because he's going to be a horse. He's going to have a lot of minutes. And I think on, on the left side uh, with Mo Sider on the right, um, he's got enough bite to his game. And uh, yes, uh, you know, and, and skating okay and thinking the game good. I, I think it's a, it's a great pick. And obviously they wanted left hand D in the pipeline. And uh, I never thought they're going to take a goalie at number six. Um, it's just not how Steve operates to take a goalie that early. But as I said on the, on the draft show on Bally Sports, I thought they'd move up to try to take the goalie, and that's what they did. With, um, with Nick Cronwall over in Sweden and that entire crew being so integral in the development of players like most that are playing over in Sweden or actual Swedish prospects, how big of a factor is that in both Detroit's confidence in drafting a Swedish player like Edmonton, of course, Hakan Anderson would have a big say in that, but just their development plan, like how much confidence does that instill in Steve Eisman and Chris Draper and, and uh, Verbeek? A hundred percent to have someone like Cronwell over there and even Zetterberg, if need be to have Nick Cronwell and during COVID for the players that were there and went overseas to play, to have Cronwell there and, and firsthand with him, I think it's huge. And, and Steve said that too. And from the outset, that was always going to be the plan. Uh, Yuri Fisher to, is overseas a lot, and he's a big help uh, with the prospects over there and dealing with them. But to have Nick Cronwell right on the ground over there, it's it's big. And I, and I guess maybe that's why I was, you know, the more that I thought about it and the left-hand D was so important and you build from, from defense out. And this week, Steve solved what he hopes solved, long-term and short-term uh, goaltending issue. And then you build from defense on the way out. And when I thought about, you know, and everyone was talking about Eklund and he kept falling and, and some had Edmondson, I guess, up there three in Eklund two, three, if not four, and maybe six or seven. I think when you look at what the Red Wings have up front, um, and what's coming with with Raymond, and then you've got Sedina, and you've got Fabry, and you've got Verana. I mean, how many wingers can you really have? I guess you could always have some in the pipeline and then move them, but it, I don't know if it should be a shock when you have a guy of most cider side size, and now you draft a guy of Ed, Edmondson's size uh, to have players on the back end like that when you've already got a lot of wingers and you've got they they hope master simone coming and uh and chase coming down the road so you've got you've got lots of forwards i think they really needed help on the left hand side and maybe that's why we shouldn't have been shocked that uh where he went at, at another one where they went at number six to get another big defenseman just like they have previously at number six well you would have seen steve eisenman's winning days in detroit and obviously with what he built in tampa bay how much of a blueprint is it to have a big, tough, stout blue line? Is that his blueprint? Like you you can't win a championship unless you have that? Is that kind of what you think is running through Steve's head? Well, I, I would think so. Even the trades uh, that he made with, with Ben Bishop going to L.A. and you get a big defenseman who's good enough now, they, they protected him. And so, yeah, I think so. Well, certainly, you know, Hedden was there before Steve got there, obviously, and so was Stamkos, but... Uh, as much as Steve's blueprint was good drafting, period, and getting players in later rounds. And, you know, he moved some assets to obviously get the goalie that he really wanted. So he gave up some picks, but he had enough to do that. Now you hope to find some diamonds in the rough. When you got 10 or 12 picks, I hope realistically you hope three or four are really going to hit. They're not all going to hit 10 or 12. And, and ultimately down the road, you can't have that many contracts anyway, and you're going to want to move some. So with 50 contracts uh, in your system. So, you know, um, you use the picks for assets and that's what he did. But I think, yeah, defense from, from out and you're seeing the size on the back end matters so much and, and what Tampa Bay did for sure. And I think they're, they're going that way. And, you know, and that right side looks pretty good too. And now not losing stature. Okay. You can be a number six in your right side. You got Heronic and you're hoping for cider. Um, I think to Amisto, they really like, uh, they really like Tuomisto a lot, so that's down the road too. So they're they're building. I, I think now they're pretty deep on the back end, and now that you've got that and where you draft Edvinson, and now you can fulfill what you need up front and hopefully grab some centers that can maybe uh, play in three or four years. 
Candid Seven here. I apologize. I need to leave, but thank you so much for coming on tonight. I have a 7.30 a.m. tea time for a golf tournament, and then I'm running straight to uh, my girlfriend's sister's wedding. So in order to not be in the doghouse permanently, I need to go. Evan, that's okay. And I want to say I'm sorry, Shea Weber, about your career ending. It was awful. <laughs> Thanks. <news. laughs> that means a lot. That means a yeah, lot. I know. I know. Figured good. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we knew that was coming. Yeah, so kind of what I'm wondering here is, do we just consider Forlunda a farm team for the Red Wings now? May as well. <laughs> all, this, all the Swedes coming out of there. But, you know, I think Steve won with a lot of Swedes and surrounded by them, so why not? And, uh, yeah, I think when they when they took Henrik Zetterberg years ago and and he was uh, he was too small at the time, <laughs> you know, all that. But uh, my goodness, when you got Hawk and Anderson over there, um, you, you got to you got to believe. Right. And obviously uh, they took a guy that, that he probably would have liked, I would think. And Steve would have seen more than enough of and with Nick Cronwell and Chris Draper. And congrats to Drapes. I mean, maybe the general manager is, uh, we heard Jeff Gorton talking about that the, the first pick is normally the general managers and you think it, it would be Steve and that's the mark that you make at number six with obviously a lot of input like he had with Al Murray in Tampa Bay and what he has here with Chris Draper. But um, yeah, talented players and you take the best player available in their mind. I, I think when they, they took Edmondson at six, I think they think, he has the most upside of a player who is still available there, which means that they felt he had more upside than a guy like William Eckler, just more upside. And, uh, you know, Steve had said, you don't necessarily draft for, for position. You pick the best player available. And I think when you're talking about the best player available, you're also talking about uh, the most upside. And we all know how hard it is to project. That's why these scouts amazing when you do hit. And that's why you can be wrong so often. You're talking about 18-year-old kids. And you just see enough of them over time. And then comparison uh, on what others have done. And you're thinking, okay, that can relate to that. And they obviously liked his upside a lot and can envision that blue line pretty well down the road. I, I That's something we were talking about too, right? Like you have to go, especially in a draft without a ton of superstar projected or top end talent you have to take those big swings the red wings haven't had the luxury of winning draft lotteries so you have to find that value wherever you can um so that makes a lot of sense do you think mason sorry go ahead no i'm just thinking though is it you know i we say big swing but you talk about cider and because all but maybe one ranking service had him at 15 or worse and one had him at North American scouting, I think maybe at five or six and ran right where the Red Wings were picking when they took Mo Sider. But is it a big swing or has Steve Eisenman seen enough hockey through his career and Chris Draper and the staff that they have that to them, it's not a big swing. He was the best player available and we like him. So if nobody else does, too bad. It's not a big swing for us. We're obviously committing to this player that we think can do it. Could you be wrong? Sure. They're 18 years old. But to me, I don't necessarily buy the big swing. Um, I, I I believe that they like Kosa better than Wallstead. I think they like Kosa's work ethic better. And that's one thing about Wallstead that I've heard, not from our scouts here, but from outside is Wallstead's work ethic, just maybe maturity. Yeah, he's played in the Swedish league, but what are you going to do to take your game now to the next level? And I think they think Kosa is that guy. And you could just tell, I watched his Zoom call, just how mature he sounded. What a wonderful kid. And, you know, give him, that's what the great move is to get Nadelkovich. Um, obviously, the, the ties to him, and he played with Dylan. Although I saw they won a championship together. I don't think they did. I thought Dylan won the championship first, and then Nadelkovich came just after that uh, with Beltire. But anyway, that's an aside. But they have the ties there, and I just think they they really like Kosa's uh, game a whole lot, and it's six six. Um, it's nice to think that you've got the goaltending situation, which we all wondered about for so long, to get it done in in just a, a couple of days for virtually nothing. When Jonathan Bernier wasn't coming back anyway, um, and it's a pick. But again, how many picks can you have? And uh, you know, and even even keeping a guy like Stetcher, I think works out because you can move Stetcher at the trade deadline 
where you wouldn't have probably not maybe Chalosky and I, and I wish him nothing but success, but maybe where you're going here and whom you sign and maybe another short term that you move on at the deadline, you get more picks for next year and you're probably hoping for Shane Wright and maybe you can actually win a lottery. But having not done so, uh, I think the, the three picks they've had in the last three years have been pretty darn good. Actually, now that you bring up Stetcher, uh, moving him at the deadline, I guess we should circle back to about a week ago. What what do you think was the driving force behind acquiring Nick Letty? I Maybe in Steve's mind at that time was um, we're going to lose uh, a left-hand D who if, if maybe he – could have a half-decent season, could run a power play, if not one but two. And when Chalosky isn't even an option anymore, um, I don't think they, you know, Stetcher on a on a good team is the third pair D on a right side, maybe a six or a seven. So I don't think they were concerned either way. But Letty buys them time. Uh, Letty gets them to be competitive and a power play. I think you bring in a power play coach is going to run that, give him some players to work with. And now you have Rana in that mix. And hopefully a guy like Fabry's healthy and Rasmussen another year. And you got Letty on the back end to move it. And Sider will get some time there. So uh, I believe that was the driving force uh, behind getting Nick Letty. I mean, why not? It's a veteran guy, can work with a guy like Sider, can help a power play, settle things down. They needed that and has some offense behind him. So whether they add a Mark Stahl, who they're still talking with, or a John Merrill back there, I think you needed a guy who can make a push and put up some points in Letty. And on a short term, I think that's great. You know, you're talking about rankings and stuff. We often, and we catch ourselves doing this, we tell listeners, it's our job to talk about rankings and speculate and, you know, build our list. But Time and time again, it's proven when you have a guy, it's, that's what teams are meant to do. You, if you have to trade up, even move up one spot to take Braden Point or, or eight spots to take Sebastian Kosa, if you have your guy, take him. Um, we're the ones who are going to nitpick over the the value and whatnot. So the conviction, like personally, Kosa was not my preferred goaltender, but to see them move up eight picks to take him, I'm like, that's a ton of conviction that like that makes me right. buy in. Yeah. And you should, and that, and that's what it's all about. On his list, they liked him enough. They liked what they saw, even though at the level where Wallstead played is above where Kosa played. It was on a very good team with the Oil Kings, sure. And what Wallstead has done, you can look at that, and then you believe what everyone else has thought. And again, going back to Cider, what other people thought. But they saw something in him that they liked enough to take him ahead. And... Uh, yeah, it's 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 conviction of the picks, and that's where you say you have your list. And enough people I've spoken to say, what well, you know, when they make their list, they have the list. If you start dinking around with the list, and maybe later, yes, if you've taken so many wingers earlier in the draft, or or now if you grabbed another goalie, you're going to take another one later. No, of course not. But I think overall, they go in with the list and you stick to it, or or that's where you get hit. And as I said on the draft show, I remember the story when, when Steve was out watching um, Morgan Riley. Morgan Riley. And that's when he saw Braden Point at 16. And he said, who's the scrawny kid? And uh, Al Murray said, well, that's Braden Point. And a few years later in the third round, Al Murray takes Braden Point. And as he told the story after, he said, I think Steve had mentioned something, the fact that if you don't take Braden Point here, I'm going to fire you. So... It was like, you know, he saw him at 16 and put it in the back of his mind. And I also believe the story with Braden Point was he wasn't a great skater. He had some ankle issues, but they were able to work on that. But they saw the skill. That was the conviction. Braden Point, third round. And look at him now. So you see something. And that's where you believe when you're out and you see these guys, you've seen enough of them. You've seen enough comparisons. You just got to believe the scouting unit. So, and Steve would be the first to tell you, it's not just him, it's Chris Draper. Yeah, he's got a final say if he wants somebody more. But Draper and the scouts that they have, they brought in some fresh blood, but not a lot. A lot of the guys are still there and the European scouts are still there, but they changed things around a little bit. And then you've got faith in, in, in Horkoff and Cleary, and you mentioned Cronwell and your development people to work with them. So it's, it's one thing to draft a player. It's, an, it's another thing to develop them, and that's what's so important, what they got going on with Ben Simon and down in Grand Rapids when they get there. 
So I'm curious too, because of all the weird circumstances this year, and, and we know Steve and Chris have never been shy to lean on Hakan Anderson. So they probably didn't get many, if any, live viewings of Simon Edvinson outside of the U18. So what, what do you think the dynamic was there in terms of, you know, level of trust and, you know, video viewing in terms of making a pick as significant as Edmondson in this weird circumstances? Yeah, I think they saw a fair bit. And with Hawken, um, that's, again, that's where you rely on your people. But there's been so many video viewings. I mean, I think they see him enough in Hawken Live or Nick Cronwall Live. I think they got a pretty good picture on what they have. And a guy who's that big already and is only going to get stronger and you can picture it left side, right side with cider. I mean, how's that? They may not be together, but even if they weren't three years from now when the team's ready to go, and even if Edvinson is, is two years away, three years away, all of a sudden cider's in year three and he's coming in. That's what you want. And you're filling out until then. And now where I believe the way that the rebuild's going, I think in three to four years, this three years, this is when this team's ready to make a push in the playoffs. You know, I, I another couple of years, and then in year three, I think they're ready to go. And then in year three, uh, maybe Sebastian Kosa's ready to go. Maybe you're re-signing Nadelkovic if he lives up to what they think he can be. And if not in year three, maybe you're you're buying another short-term goalie until you hope Kosa hits. So now it's just two more guys, two kicks at the can that before this week, you had no kicks at the can. They had nobody. Petrozelli's not going to be re-signed. They got, I don't know what Bednash is going to be. I, I don't know. They, they didn't have it. So they solidified that. And now they can worry about the rest. I think their defense is pretty good. A guy like Jonathan Bergeron up front, I think the, the feeling for him is they just need to him get him playing more on the inside. You know, he can be, not that he can't compete. I'm not saying that, but more and around and around. Remember Dylan Larkin his first year until he learned what it took to come to the inside and his speed. And he was beating everybody outside until they all learned that Dylan Larkin would go on the outside. You know, like that Nyquist goal in Ottawa when he went for 28 seconds around the outside. And yep. Dylan, finally, Dylan finally learned to take the puck to the inside and a difference. And I think that's what they like to see from a guy like Jonathan Bergen. Learn to get to the inside, the North American game. So they're not a definite. Robert Master Simone, you, you hope, can hit too. So they've got some really good talent coming. And that's why when, you know, and Steve said, be patient. When fans ask me how long to the playoffs, and I go, if it's another two years, before this team's realistically ready, considering the division they're in, and it's probably three years, maybe two, if they get some luck in here. And who knows, if they get a top pick in the lottery, maybe that changes too going forward. But you got to love, if it's not looking forward just to Cider next year or, or Lucas Raymond the year after, I'm looking forward to this. And I even look forward to seeing Valeno progress. You know, I don't know if it's Chase Pearson and, and coming on and I, if Glenn Denning comes back or not, who knows. But if not, are you looking at a guy like Chase to take that spot maybe? Where's Valeno? What's his upside? Can be a third-line center all day long. Can he progress offensively to be that second guy? You know, where's Rasmussen? How far can he produce? Not sure, but certainly be a valuable power play guy. He's learning to play well in his own zone. You saw his skating improve, carrying the puck through the neutral zone. So all those things as the year progress that you didn't see from Rasmussen the year before, and now you're seeing it, and I go, okay, now you hope he can take the next step. So for me, I'm just enjoying, I know, I know coaches use this term a lot and I hate it, um, the process. And I am. And now I see, or I was looking on the screen, I see Elliot Friedman saying Buffalo and Florida are working hard on that Sam Reinhardt deal. Yeah, it's pending so I, yeah, trade call pen now. Is it? Okay. Yeah. So I may be, I don't know if I'm a little bit uh, behind and I pause to talk to you guys or how far I am. Oh, I am a little behind. So it is pending now? Okay. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So... I mean, from the Jones deal and everything else today in Vancouver, and I don't know, that's a lot of term they took on with Larson for a long time, but they did unload a lot of salary cap hell, didn't they? Oh, God, yeah. That, is a, that was a bizarre deal. What do you make of the craziness today? I mean, it was it was almost like the NBA, just trade after trade after trade. Like, And sometimes you couldn't make left or right of what the GMs were thinking. Well, I think cap space is the main thing. I didn't quite get the Vancouver one because I don't know how much they really unloaded considering what they took on. So, you know, it's a Jim Benning thing. I don't quite always get it. But uh, 
Stan Bowman obviously wanted Seth Jones, and that's a that's a fair chunk of change too. I don't know if he's better than Victor Hedman, but you know what? Uh, where the money is, things change, and you're in a you're thinking going forward, and the salary cap is going to be flat for the next couple of years, and then you're projecting out where it's going to be. Can you live with it for a couple of years? Try to stay competitive, and when you're in the position where they unload Duncan Keith, but now you get Seth Jones and you've still got hopefully Taves coming back healthy and feeling good. And you got to bring it and you got Keith. Yeah. You're moving Boquist, but I think you're trying to take advantage of that window in Chicago with your players to add to it. And Jones is certainly a big ad and you moved out an older guy in Duncan Keith. And, and I think realistically, um, although not as good nor with as prominent players, I think that's what Ken Holland tried to do when he was here was when you had Datsuk and Zetterberg and you added when maybe you shouldn't have, and you see a new building on a horizon and you add when maybe the rebuild should have started earlier. So I think Chicago is taking a big swing here, but feeling that Jones should be okay for a number of years, but it's, it's, it's a big ticket, but I think you're trying to take advantage still the prime years of, of uh, Patrick Kane. And Jonathan Taves, I mean, Debrinkit's going to be there for a little bit. And then you got Kirby Doc coming too. So I think that's what they're trying to do, maybe get the last years there of their their top guys. And, and Jones may be a good guy. You may hate the deal in five years. But whether Stan Bowman's there in five years, who knows, right? I, maybe, maybe that's why Ken Holland didn't bother with a goalie. Maybe he said, you know, I got a five-year deal. Maybe I'm not here in three years. That That's how GMs also think. Their job is if you're on that cusp, give your best your players in that room the best opportunity to win. At the risk of harping on Ken Holland too much, and admittedly I'm guilty of that, Brad and I were having a, a, a debate earlier about the Red Wings, you know, scoring depth and forward depth and what they're gonna do now that they use two first round picks on a defenseman and a goalie. And Brad, it wasn't an indictment on the picks by Brad, but he was just wondering where's the scoring gonna come from in the future. And my thought was I mean, the hole that Eisenman came into here, it's almost like they had to walk out of quicksand before they can walk through mud. And, and that was because of the delayed start to the rebuild. And whether that was, you know, I know I or you told us before, Ken Holland wanted to give the Pavel Datsuk, Henrik Zetterberg era as many kicks at the can as possible. Do you think that's a fair statement or is that kind of unnecessarily harsh on Holland this far into the rebuild? I, I think Ken Holland would tell you in hindsight, he should have started it earlier. He should have for sure. Um, in hindsight, I'm sure he probably shouldn't have unloaded Datsuk's contract, not take Jacob Chikrin and take Chalosky. But again, he thought Nielsen at the time and unload Pavel's contract, give it to him and, and keep working it to try to be competitive and keep the streak going. Well, in hindsight, should he have done it? No, probably not. I think maybe could he have lived with Pavel's contract and eat it for one more year? Probably could have made a move somewhere else. I can't remember what was going on at the time with Franzen on there and, 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 and other things that, thinking back to it. But um, yeah, he was, he was trying to give those guys the, the opportunity. So it should have started earlier. That's why I, I think Steve's done a masterful job, knowing the plan, preaching the patience. It's going to take a little bit here um, and fixing as he goes along and try to hit in the draft best you can. That's what, that's what it's about. And, you know, I, I, I think even the previous Swedes, and you can go through the names who they picked here as, um, you know, there's Willinder. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to hit or not. But again, if you get some others just in case he doesn't, then you're set. Niederbach looks like he could play. I watched him some plays. Boy, he looked like a, a younger Henrik Zetterberg, again, who they said was too small when they picked him. But I watched Niederbach play. Um, and he was outstanding. Who's who's the big kid? The six seven for Sweden. Um, Soderblom. Soderblom. Yeah, I to watch him. I I I you know. Now granted, he was so big playing against guys his age that he you know it was like almost unfair. And yet I think when I watched him, if his puck protection and that's a skill you can develop at that size at six seven, and we saw the hands that he's got in tight, that was unbelievable when I watched that. So. To see what he can do if he learns to protect the puck and over the next two or three years that happens, who knows? Maybe he hits that you're not really expecting. So I don't know if uh, if Theodore Niederbach's going to hit. You hope he will. 
But again, we're talking all Swedes here. So, you know, this team did a lot of winning with the Swedes. I'll, I'll take it again in three or four years. That'll be okay. You have any uh, anybody circled for the second round? I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I don't know. I listen <laughs> to you guys and all the uh, the draft experts, and, and I don't know. Uh, but, you know, I was really – I was um, – uh, really happy for Tyler Boucher, Brian's kid. Um, I was really happy for Tyler who lived with, uh, Chris Osgood and Jenna at their house. And I know Chris had spoken so highly of him. And he said, besides the kid LaRue in there had been suspended a few times. He said, um, Brian's kid, Tyler, he said, this kid just has a motor and a streak and he'll hit anything that moves. And it's almost like you like to think the Tom Wilson type, but a little bit more controlled, but, those players are still few and far between now. And I know so many in all those lists, when you say second round, who knew that's where everyone had Tyler going. They had Tyler Boucher going in the second round. I think very few had him in the first, some might here or there. Sure. He could move up. So I have no idea, but I was really happy for him because I remember doing a game for NBC at little Caesars arena. It was uh, Detroit and Philadelphia. I did with Brian Boucher and he wasn't between the glass. He was up with me in the gondola at Little Caesars calling the game. And I remember watching during the game and, and you guys are, are, are so important to us with the Jamie Daniels Foundation. And, and I was watching Brian watch Tyler and I'm not sure where he was playing now. I can't remember. But while the game was going on, he had the laptop on and he's watching Tyler's game. And I could see how invested he was not only in the Red Wing game and doing the job that he's supposed to do, but watching Tyler's game and just the delight on his face and the concern on his face as he's watching it. Not necessarily while plays going on, but when we went to commercial. And I thought that that's so cool um, to have, to be a dad. I could only imagine to have your kid uh, have the prospect of playing the National Hockey League, get to watch him. And now to see him go in the first round, that was so neat. And uh, just hearing what a wonderful kid he is from, from Chris Osgood. Um, really happy for him. Really nice. Um, Ken, you mentioned the Jamie Daniels Foundation. I think this is a good point for anyone who's uh, here for the first time. I know we have a lot of new listeners on these things. Um, we partner with the Jamie Daniels Foundation, which was uh, started by, of course, uh, Ken with us today uh, and Jamie's mother, Lisa Daniels Goldman. Um, it was uh, established in memory of uh, Ken and Lisa's son, Jamie Daniels. They strive to end the stigma of substance use disorder and provide support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. Um, the podcast will be making uh, another donation to the Jamie Daniels Foundation to say thanks to Ken for extending the stream and, and giving everyone some more excitement after the crazy day that we've had. Uh, and we encourage you all to visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org uh, to learn how to learn more and offer your support. We have a lot of fun stuff in the works to um, as we, especially as we head into the next season to uh, further support the foundation. Well, thank you. And those bobbleheads you got right there, you know, that raised about $80,000 <laughs> for the foundation. Yeah. So that was very nice. And even though it doesn't look like me, bad hair, but uh, oh, I got bad hair now, but it's late. And I'll just finish up by uh, saying that we, we are uh, on Valley Sports Detroit. We are going to go virtual for a second year only because of planning. We would have loved to have been live again this year, uh, but we're not. So we are going to go virtual as we did last year with Scotty Bowman. And we ended up raising just as much money as we did going live with Mickey Redmond in 2019. But still, there's something about being live that's great. And there is something about going virtual where you just reach more people. Um, so to that end, and it is on the site, we are roasting Brett Hull. So it'll be on uh, in November. And among those uh, lined up to roast Brett Hull would be, um, well, Darren Pang's going to be the MC, And uh, Steve Eisenman is going to join us. So we're very thankful for that. Um, and Chris Pronger and Brian Burke who was his first agent, uh, along with Ken Hitchcock and Garth Butcher and Kelly Chase. So uh, we're going to uh, put the roast together and uh, it'll run sometime once we see the scheduling, what goes on, uh, probably televised on Bally Sports Detroit and on, uh, and on YouTube uh, in November. So uh, we'll look forward to that. And the live auction will run probably six weeks prior. And actually, I just got sent a picture today uh, that he did it for me, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, Nikita Kucherov uh, signed one of those hats with the 18 million over the cap. So uh, he signed one of those. So <laughs> I'm having that brought back from Florida. Thanks to Dan Milstein and Nikita Kucherov for that. So we'll have that as a part of our, uh, our uh, silent auction 
which will run up through uh, the night of the first airing on Bally Sports Detroit. So look forward to that, and we'll give you more details as they go along. But if you go to our site and you want to sponsor jamiedanisfoundation.org, uh, I think, and you can look at it. I haven't in the last few days, but I believe it's uh, all the information and sponsorship opportunities and who's there is uh, all on the site now. So thanks for that. Thanks, guys. Yeah, of course. Perfect. And and just one last thing, Ken. Uh, I think it's high time that we start to organize something where we get both sides of the bobblehead on the podcast at the same time. What do you mean both sides? Oh, both sides. What do you mean? With Mick. Get Mick on here. Oh, get Mick on there. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's getting better with computers now. He's good with texting. He's good with pictures on the phone. And so he's, he's come a long way, Mr. Redman. Yeah. He really has. Sometimes it surprises me, the voice to text and everything, and he'll, he'll answer back. Yeah, a few years ago, that wasn't happening because he still had a flip phone. But, oh, you know, God. he's uh, – he's, no, he didn't. He's, he's doing well. I will, I will work on that. I'll, I'll work on that. How's that? Uh, and then uh, I just have to pass this along. We've had about a thousand messages come through the chat while you're saying, talking. Um, everyone, all the Wing Wheel podcast listeners and fans are saying thank you, Ken, uh, for everything you do and for coming on the show. Well, thank you. And by the way, I, I did appreciate <laughs> listening the other day. Whom would you protect? But I like what you said. That you know, Mickey, people, the, the other they wouldn't take him because his heart's in Detroit anyway, and they knew it was very funny. <laughs> you tried that into a, a hockey analogy I like that, but but thanks, thanks for protecting me anyway. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, you came on the pod first; you get the favoritism. We're not we're not better than that. <laughs> yeah, no, I know you know where your bread's buttered. That's good. Thank you. Yeah, that's okay. Nice. To that's good. Thanks, All guys. Right. Cheers. Thanks, appreciate Ken. It. No, thank you. Cheers. All the best. Thank you, guys. Have fun. Bye. Great work. Bye. Thank you. And that was our conversation with Ken Daniels. Uh, we appreciate Ken coming onto the live stream. It's always, always a great conversation with him. And like we mentioned, uh, we'll have him back. There'll be plenty more to come on that front, as well as uh, our work with the Jamie Daniels Foundation. So stay tuned. Uh, before we jump into overtime here, you're going to hear myself uh, and Evan cover that pretty soon. Uh, I did want to just talk about a couple of things. Even though this bonus episode is coming out uh, just a couple days after the draft review episode, don't think that there isn't free agency stuff coming. That is absolutely on its way. So uh, stay tuned for some free agency episodes. Um, those will be coming obviously midweek this week as well as the following Sunday. Um, so well, it just really depends on how the world of free agency goes. There's some other news coming. Uh, so we have some announcements that we're going to make in the coming days, maybe week as well. Uh, it's more than one piece of news and we're very, very excited to share with you guys. We hinted at some of it earlier in the summer. So please stay tuned. If you're not already following us on Twitter, now would be a good time to do so at winged wheel pod and then follow our personal accounts as well. So something that we've been working on for quite a while that we're, um, we're really excited to put out for you guys. I'm um, looking forward to uh, the season to come. It's some podcast related stuff and some stuff beyond. So uh, without further ado, let's jump into overtime. So this is a continuation from the overtime comments from the draft review episode. And I'd first like to start by acknowledging uh, Vincent Saladino, who left a fantastic uh, comment on here about, you know, listening to the podcast and what that's done for Vincent's insight and knowledge into the game. Uh, said a lot of nice things where I kind of think someone, either Evan or Brad, paid him to say these nice things. But um, Vincent, I, I'm reading your message and I'm so happy to see that you've uh, picked up the game and uh, are learning to play because it's you know it's the greatest game on earth and uh for us to have had any had any part to play in that uh, means the world to us so uh for you to say the best podcast you've ever listened to um is an incredibly kind thing to say and again whoever's paying you i hope they're paying you a lot to say that uh and you are actually the one to read out the um the comment when the spider ha incident happened in the basement I should resurface that video any case uh thank you vincent so moving on here uh, from Darren Helm, Stan Club says, Greeting, uh, Greetings from the city. Most recently dubbed, dubbed champions. Game six in a parade in Milwaukee was easily one of the greatest experiences ever. Can't wait for the day I attend uh, one with more red on in, in Detroit. One, who's the most comparable player to uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, in the NHL as far as humility, humility, loyalty, athleticism, and talent? Ooh, humility. Definitely Nikita Kucherov. <laughs> <laughs> Um, maybe not right now, like not same phase of the career, but I always found Carey Price, like he had a edge to his game, but I thought he was always very like well-spoken and kind of humble in public. I'm not sure though, if there's any comparable players to jump out to you. 
No, Carey Price definitely would be the one. He he always gives very pointed answers, and you can tell he's definitely thought it out before it comes out of his mouth. Something I should learn to to do better. Uh, and then goes to talk about the uh, Mayu situation, which we addressed uh, a little bit more in the draft review uh, episode. Uh, on a lighter note, there's a player who uh, idolizes the elite one. Can't wait to see him in the league. Clearly, he's got high IQ. Thanks for the draft coverage. It was outstanding. Jake Nagy says, you guys rock. You've helped keep Wings fans going through some tough seasons and make draft season a blast every year. If you could switch any Detroit first round pick from 2018 to 2021, uh, and choose a player picked after our selection instead of who we actually drafted, who would you choose to switch and why? Ooh, I feel like 2018 might be the answer here. Uh, let me pull up that page. Yeah, I mean, Philip Zadina at six. I still love Philip Zadina as a player, but Quinn Hughes has turned out to be one of the best players in that draft. And I think that's the only answer really that you can go with for now. Uh, Jake Kiefer says, what are your takes on if the NHL allowed each team one contract that didn't go against the cap, like a superstar clause, this would allow teams to keep their stars around without worry about free agency. Yeah. So the MLS has that. What the heck did they call them? Um, what the hell do they call those guys? Um, I can't remember what they're called, but yeah, they don't count against the cap. So you can, pay them whatever that's what gets guys like wayne rooney uh terry Henry to come over because they'll just get like six million dollar contracts although that means some guys on your team are making like 150k so that's a little strange but it's a good way to get some superstars in the uh in the league obviously the nhl does not have that problem but yeah i would like it i think it would create some interesting scenarios and i think it would allow teams to become competitive or at least pivot a little bit quicker like red wings could offer jack eichel oh if jack eichel let's say it's only for ufas let's say they could get alexander ovechkin like that would clearly help them uh quickly turn it around um it could also help some teams that got good cap room sign a guy to a superstar deal for one year just to make that final cup push before they have to blow it all up or they have to sign guys to longer term contracts. I, I think it would be cool. I'm sure there's some negative consequences I haven't thought about and, um, smarter people, GMs, owners would, would see immediately. But in theory, as a fan, I think that'd be a cool idea. Uh, designated player, I think is, yes, that's it. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Dahl says, Hey guys, thanks for all the coverage. Uh, I knew what was going on or because it allowed me to know what was going on. Things were a lot more exciting, super nervous that Columbus was going to take Eklund. Then he fell to us. Then we didn't take him. So I went to watch the stream expecting Brad to be pissed, but he was pretty relaxed on that. So do you guys think this was not a huge blunder? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, we addressed this in the draft review episode. It's, there's no such thing as a blunder really in that range. Like things were so in tight. Like Brad had his preference. Evan had his preference. I had my preference. Eiserman had his preference. Like when it's that close, how, how can anyone sit and say it's definitely wrong? You know, we're talking about the top 10 picks, right? Yeah. We're talking Edvinson. Yeah. As opposed yeah, the, to Eklund or two to, well, maybe the three to 10 was so interchangeable amongst everybody. Like it's no blunder. It's people are making picks based on guys who they think are their guy. Uh, and then mentions a bit about uh, Montreal and Chicago. Um, says, I hope Detroit has, doesn't have a history of that kind of shady stuff. Um, I hate or I don't love supporting that kind of nonsense. But I do love supporting you guys. You're the best and you deserve all the support you do get. Thanks a bunch for, thanks a bunch for all the content and coverage. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Arjun Shanker aptly says, Ken Daniels is the best. We tend to agree. Uh, Mr. My Socks says, what's up, my dudes from Emperor Evans request. I have updated my name. Amazing draft content on both days. So cool to have Ken on the stream. How many more Stevie specials do you guys think we'll get before the season starts? Um, I mean, you, we had the Saul signing at the time of recording this. He signed Lindstrom. Sveshnikov wasn't qualified. Um, I'm not going to rule anything out. I think we maybe there's a chance of a trade. Maybe there's a chance, you know, with all the players like Andre Kasha, uh, Pia Suter uh, becoming free agents, those things might happen. But for the most part, I think we're going to see like low impact depth fill in of the roster. 
and for with a lot of familiar players even. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Carter Mazer Stan Club says it's nice to see Stevie have the fortitude to address the true needs of the future by uh, also selecting the heir apparent to the franchise's most elite player of all time and managing to find such a phenomenal player in the third round. Hopefully with better people running this franchise, we can get Carter Mazer more than one cup that poor uh, Helmer won. Mike Hernelstein says, I was wanting Eklund, but I've come to the following conclusion. The defense is going to be tough to score against. The goalie of the future is in the system. Do they need help at forward? Sure. But they can build from the net out, and there are some solid offensive players in the system. I'm personally very excited about this. Uh, Tony H. says, just now returning to civilization after backcountry hiking in Yellowstone. Any major hockey news that I missed? Uh, staying in Jackson Hole for a night before heading out uh, for more backpacking in the Tetons for five more days. I can't possibly miss any more major hockey news, right? Well, Jackson Hole's fake, but yeah, you're gonna miss a ton. So it's it's the Tetons, but you you're close, Ryan. Yeah, T. Yeah, okay, the Tetons. Uh, Peter Grobel says, "How do you think this year's off season affects next year, specifically our lottery chances? Who do you think the Red Wings should sign in free agency to fill in at lefty? My guess is the lineup looks like Letty, free agent Ronick, um, Cider, Stall, Stetcher. Um, keep up the great work. This is one of the best podcasts out there." Um, I talked about this a bit on Twitter. I think Eisman's going to be careful to make this team not completely garbage, right? Like he, he recognizes the impact of losing on young players and can't put them through that without any kind of cover. He wants to keep them a little bit competitive, but I don't think he's going to go out and artificially make this a playoff team. I think we're looking at one more lottery year at least. Yeah. It's about, you know, making small progressive improvement you know, building out the draft while also improving your current roster slowly because you don't want to burn the candle too quick and you you overshoot the window. Um, you want to build a team slowly so that when you are competitive, you're competitive for a long time rather than just one short burst. And to be completely honest, the Atlantic is this is going to be absolutely crazy and it's going to be incredibly difficult to win for the next little bit. So I'm completely okay with Detroit taking their time because you do not want to be in the the proverbial window when four other teams in your division also are. Uh, and I'm Devin says stove eyes are plan. That is all. Uh, Stevie Langerman says, Ned Seabass Seabass. They call Sebastian Seabass Sebas. I don't know. Simon Insider on the blue line. Wow, is anyone else still freaking out after watching Stevie just make power moves and showing those GMs who's boss? What a draft, boys. I'm still coming down from the adrenaline rush, and you guys absolutely killed it on the stream slash Zoom hang. Love it all. No questions. Just need to enjoy being positive about this team. Thanks again, boys, and let's effing go Red Wings. Woo! He gave a woo. I had to, Oh, and then he asked me to say the woo with a little bit of conviction. That's as much as I can do without scaring uh, my dog. Uh, Zach Handyside says the night of the 2021 draft is the night I can finally s- say I joined the Dub Dub family. It's about time your out of nowhere interview with Ken finally made me jump head first. I was stoked when I heard him come on the live stream. You've probably seen me lurking around for a while. I've been listening since the first round exit against Tampa in 2016 and haven't looked back. Oh man, you're That's a lifer. OG almost. Zach, thank you for all the support in the years of listening. Uh, this is my way of telling y'all thanks for making me a smarter, smarter hockey fan. This is because of the incredible knowledge of prospects and general knowledge from around the league your show provides. Also, the connections you've made with guests to the show has pointed me in the direction of smarter reporting and articles. Here's to how far you've come into the future ahead. Cheers. What an incredibly kind comment. That's too nice. Uh, we don't deserve yeah. that. No, we don't. I'm sure I'm going to stub my toe when I get up from this chair now. Uh, Kyle Karagitz says, hey, I've been uh, listening for years. Drunk me talks a lot. Sorry to everyone who had to deal with that last night in the call. Looking forward to finally participating. Love the show and the boys. Appreciate it, Kyle. And uh, no, we had fun on the call. I like the uh, day two Patreon call. Um, Teach says, hey, guys, I was drunk uh, from Friday night to now. So thanks for doing a recap of the draft. The bachelor parties in Nashville are insane. What a time. Um, Joe Falzone says, do you think stylistically it's more accurate to think of Edvinson in the Slavin style than the offensive guys some analysts miscast him as? I don't know if that's a perfect comparison. I think Edvinson does have enough there where he can become, you know, a quote unquote offensive guy, but not only an offensive guy, you know, um, 
his range is so big, I struggle to to pin him down to one NHL comparable. So uh, maybe ask me again in a year. Cnod says I haven't commented in a while, but you have to. But you all get to compete in one Summer Olympics and one Winter Olympics event. What do you choose? No hockey allowed. You guys have a great pod. I'm always excited to see a new episode. Cheers. Ha! Huh, snowboarding event. I'll do the half pipe. <laughs> yeah, you would like the half pipe. Um, summer. I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna honestly go table tennis. I'd get crushed, but it'd be fun. I'll do speed. I'll do the ten kilometer speed walking. <laughs> uh i think speed skating would be cool yeah that, that looks crazy hard your quads would look amazing though i know thank you you're saying my quads would look amazing in those tights right not that they would get oh, yeah. Uh, big for- yeah appreciate it <laughs> uh the spirit of harambe smiling down from heaven in a darren helm jersey says kudos on making it through the entire second draft day brad and ryan love the zoom format getting to hear from the dub dub community and the stories from large uh such a great way to fill the endless dead air between picks Regarding strategy, Stevie says he's picking best player available, whereas the leading fan theory is uh, that he's favoring defense now as D-men take longer to develop. I think Steve's trying to build a dynasty by picking the biggest, highest ceiling players who will punish the opposition come playoff time, risk be damned. The theory being that picking a few superstars is the path, multiple cups, uh, took multiple cups rather than a handful of merely solid players. What do you think? I don't think a lot of the picks are that risky. Maybe risky compared to the people or the prospects that were falling down the board or who are also available at those picks. Like I don't think Sideman Edvinson's risky at all. I think he's a hundred percent an NHL player or will be an NHL player. And whether that's a top two def- offensive defenseman who can play some shutdown game as well, or he is just a top four guy and he, a minute muncher and he just plays against the top lines of the other team. I don't think he's risky at all. I mean, maybe taking a goalie, 15th you know considering how wonky their development is maybe that's a little bit risky um but uh i don't really think it is either i I think kosa's got the athletic gifts and size and talent to be a for sure nhl goalie uh thomas cooper says hey guys especially evan first time patron long time listener uh thomas thank you so much for the support uh what player from the top 10 selected in this draft do you think will make the biggest impact in the nhl this coming season am i the only guy really wishing we would have had a chance at ken johnson watching the film this guy's a stud thanks i loved ken johnson and you know i was i'm always disappointed to see players i want the red wings to select go before detroit so seeing mctavish and johnson both go i was a huge I was huge on Johnson, as Evan likes uh, that I say. Um, yeah, you were. <laughs> <laughs> um, biggest impact next year? I don't know. Matty Beneers, maybe? Mason McTavish? McTavish was the one that sort of came to my mind first, because I think he can hang with the physicality of the NHL. I, has Owen Power committed to going back to to michigan i don't he's likely going back to michigan yeah i think there i don't there isn't really one guy this year that i really think is super nhl ready i mean there's gonna be lots of guys who get looks at camps uh there's nobody i can really earmark to say yeah he'll 100 percent play valuable minutes this year uh jordan palmer says first off thanks for all your work during the draft such good wait what's this guy's name jordan palmer one of my best friends is the same has the same name, and it's definitely not him. Are you sure he does? He wouldn't pay money to uh, support. Absolutely the show? not. <laughs> Absolutely not. I gotta say, I have three fruit flies in this room, and they're flying around for the entire Nadelkovich interview as well. And it's incredibly annoying because I don't even bring fruit in here. Anyways, uh, if Shanahan was there for the torture of uh, Babs and then rehired him in Toronto, are we missing something, or is he someone to keep at arm's length as well? Don't need a definitive answer, just your opinion. I mean, I was really surprised when Shanahan hired him, honestly, because they butt heads a lot. So, Yeah, you could definitely tell by the end of Babcock's tenure that uh, Dubas was helping push him out the door. But people forget, like, this is a business. You know, it's a results-driven business. And if Babcock wasn't bringing results, he wouldn't get hired, regardless of who, who what his personality is. So... I'm not I'm not surprised. 
Yeah, and I mean, on the same vein, results-driven business, Toronto needed a new coach and you had the mega superstar coach on the market. I think Shanahan would be questioned as president over and at uh, with the Leafs if he didn't try to bring him in. So Absolutely. Not trying to absolve, absolve anyone of anything. I'm sure that hire, he regrets that hire now, but still. Uh, Cyrus Marsh says, hey, boys, great work. So happy to finally join the Patreon uh, Winged Wheel podcast crew. Cyrus, thank you for the support. Uh, as the lineup sits now and considering the dynamic Dead Marsh is going to bring in, uh, who do you see the power play lines? Dead Marsh or Tange? I think you mixed up your... Uh, your classic players, unless you're being funny. Um, who do you see the power play lines deploying? And what do you think the schemes and zone entries will be? Do you think they'll be vastly improved or different? Thanks, boys, and love you from South Texas. Um, I don't want, I don't know what the power play lines. I don't even know if Bertuzzi is going to be here at the start of the year. So <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> might be a little today? too premature for that question since, you know, they still have to sign a whack a load of guys. I think uh, Brad would probably give – he probably goes over this at night before he sleeps. Actually, we know he does. I'm th- I think you're going to see a lot of Larkin Zadina, though. Um, you're going to see a lot of Letty running the power play from the point as well as the best and sometimes only option to really move that puck around. And I'm hoping we see Hronik back on the left side at his office, so to speak. So um, what will be interesting is Verona. They, they basically have more shooters and, and maybe a little bit more comfortability. I think the schemes to look for is more mobility with the puck. Zone entry is one thing, but what you do when you're in there is another. You don't want to just plant your feet and fire it around the perimeter because at best you hold the puck and you don't get a shot on net. And at worst, and what happened a lot for Detroit is they read it, they break up the passes, and then you're, you know, shorthanded goals against. Uh, Stove Eisenman says, seriously, can't thank you guys enough for all the hard work and coverage from you guys this past week. Also seeing Ken jump on the live stream was awesome. Uh, thank you so much, Stove. <laughs> Matt Flat says, with all the good prospects in the defensive pipeline, I can't help but think we uh, improve our scoring by trading some of the defensemen harder to come by in return for solid forwards or Stevie test free agency. Hard to see another option, not realistic to rely on the lottery gods. That's it. Yeah, when you have a surplus of one thing, you trade for the deficit of another. Uh, white woman, a white woman's Instagram. That's uh, the the name of the Patreon user here. Have you watched the Bo Burnham special? I have watched that s- skit, that song, yeah, sketch song, yeah, whatever sketch. That is. Yep, I've I've watched that. He is, uh, you know, it's not really my thing, but man, uh, that guy is an entertainer and he's funny. That was the most probably grounded song in the whole special. It got like surreal. Does he Did get you- like? Is he like politically incorrect or is he just like super creative? No, he's not like a Chappelle, but he's like super intelligent, like hyper introspective. He had two songs where he legitimately like they were insulting Jeffrey Bezos. Like, you know, this guy. (laughs) I can can get on board with that. But he didn't say an ill word about him. Like the song was like ironically or like cheering on Uh, Jeffrey Bezos to say like, yeah, you're a billionaire. Get even more money. But he literally did not say one bad word about him. Uh, the second song like was actually it. just Jeffrey Bezos. You did it. It was so funny. <laughs> and like you're watching the special and like some of it's him talking. Some of it's like gentle music. And all of a sudden it's him in a ghillie suit with techno lights behind him on a synth playing the Jeffrey Bezos song. If you're ever inebriated and you want something just on, I even if it's not your thing, I think it's worth it. Yeah, he's a funny guy. Yeah. Uh, anyways, the comment is, thank you all so much for the great content. Uh, my wife and I were having our birthday anniversary getaway, and I was hiking and drinking most of the Friday and Saturday, but was on the lookout for any cell signal to get your updates. A few surprising picks I probably wouldn't have made, but that's probably why I was the one getting hammered in the woods, and they're the ones working for the NHL. Overall, some big swings and excited to see what hits in the years to come. Thanks again, and I hope you all get some rest soon. Thank you so much. Um, Carter Mazer Stand Club says, good day, dud duds. Once again, Stevie picks the guy with the absolute highest hockey IQ in the draft. Your boy, Carter Mazer, who is a helm stand. Uh, we know he'll never live up to that elite number 43, so instead he chooses to wear a number he'll be able to wear in Detroit with no issue. Heckin' genius. Good to see that the draft, a highly subjective event that takes years to fully realize value, is brimming with, I don't know, let's call it discrepancies in terms of varied numbers of scouts' values on players. I mean, no one knows what Ottawa were doing, but we digress. At least the stars got your boy Stankovin, Bradley John, cop show. Happy days. Too many comments. No jersey time this week. Stay fresh. Cheese bags. Uh, 
I've been calling him Lars, but it's Larsh. I hope I'm saying that right. Says the prophet of the Tyrant Behemoth says, uh, Evan, what transpired on the Zoom chat on day two was nothing short of a disgrace. Your fellow podcaster stated that you, a fellow foodie, would not dare to even taste a little bit of the Swedish delicacy, surströming. A word, Ryan. I know what that is. (laughs) I will not put that in my mouth. That is disgusting. Uh, Well, he he proposes a challenge uh, on a live. I don't, I, I would rather just donate the money. I don't think I, I could do it. I don't even want to throw a number out there no. to like entice people because I know no matter what I say, they will get that number there. If we ever I, reach- I don't even think you could find it in, in K-Dub in our area. Oh, I mean, maybe you it could, is. but I, it just, it looks gross. I'm sure it smells gross and I'm sure the texture is just horrible. Awful. Uh, all in all, the best part. Maybe if we ever reach, let's say, if we reach a hundred thousand dollars raised for the Jamie Daniels Foundation total, maybe then I we'll could start do talking. something. Yeah, we'll start talking. <laughs> Set it far enough away where that becomes future Ryan, Evan, and Brad problems. Evan or Brad won't do it. He'll die. I think he'll physically die. Oh yeah, he one hundred percent would. Uh, all in all, the best part of the draft was the Zoom meeting, Red Savage and Liam Dower Nielsen picks, rock on rockers and wings and curry pizza for everyone. Yours truly somewhat of an orc. Man, Large was so entertaining on that Zoom call. Uh, Logan Couture's broken ankle says, thanks for the great coverage, guys. Sometimes as fans, we focus on a single draft for agency, etc. And our feelings in the moment cloud our opinion of a holistic progress of holistic progress. This team has the defense and goaltending of the future solved. And as much as I would have liked us to add firepower on the offensive side, we improved drastically. In the past 72 hours, we've solved our, solved our gaps at left hand D and goaltending. Not a bad draft um and tough to see how we have any gaps in our pipeline outside of center and another second line winger great time to be a wings fan right now flack jacks has just wanted to say thanks for all the content i've been listening to you guys since 2017 moved to colorado this past summer so i'm gonna miss going to games at the lca guess it'll be cheaper only being able to go to one game a year your content makes me feel like i'm still close to the wings thanks guys that those kind of comments mean a lot to us so thank you uh, Michael Barry says, Ryan called Brad paper hands. He's not here, but Brad is indeed a paper handed bitch. Um, also, I hope you enjoyed the movie pig pig with Nicolas Cage. First of all, it's not taken, but with a pig, but it is very good. It is bizarre, but very good. Yeah, He's a great actor. Weird. Yeah. Uh, TJ nasty says, Hey, dud duds rumor has it. A certain friend of Larkin's may be available. Sorry if you guys already touched on it, but thoughts on a realistic trade for Zach Wierenski. Keep up the great work. And Evan, is your drive down the middle or hooking like mine? Cheers. Mine's uh, starting left, going left. That's what my drive looks like right now. But I will let everyone know that I shot the worst round in two years at the first day of our tournament. And then I shot one of my best rounds of the year the next day. So golf golf makes no sense. Um. Realistic trade for Zach Wierenski. I don't know. Like, look at the market for for defense right now. I don't know that Seth Jones should have had that much value for the return he got. And then the contract. So, I mean, you're looking at moving. I'm staying out of the the trade market as a buyer, um, especially for the Red Wings right now, unless you're taking on players other teams don't want or the contracts they don't want like i can't say his last name can you say it slowly for me warensky warensky yeah you got zach warensky warensky oh man i shouldn't laugh like that i don't oh man He's going to covet a large asking price, and when he hits, oh, he'll be an RFA, so that's not the end of the world, but when he reaches UFA status, he's getting paid, so I'm sticking away from guys like him for now. (laughs) I need you to know. From Zach (laughs) Wierenski. I understand now why you don't let me and Brad into your life, because I am absolutely going to clip that and post it on Twitter. I don't care. (laughs) <laughs> you know i won't care mainly because i probably won't see it and no those sorts of things don't bother me um jeff layman says who is new power what the heck uh why new power the defenseman they signed he played um 
played with the Cleveland Monsters last year. I don't know. It's just I, I'm pretty sure it's just like an AHL signing, really. Who knows? He might filter up and down based on injury, but um, I don't think there's a lot to speak of in terms of like a promising career. You might be looking at like uh, a guy who fills in as a six seven role, depending on what happens in terms of waivers or or injuries. But yeah, that's just um, one of those kind of more depth slash minor league signings that you see. All right. That is the rest of the draft questions. Thank you all so much for your patience. I really appreciate uh, everyone's understanding. Big episodes like that, we might have to split it up from time to time, but um, we'll attach it to bonus content like this to make it worth your while. So again, I'd like to thank all of our uh, name level sponsors, Arjun Shanker, Yves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Kyle Ker- uh, Kerrigitz, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, King Tone, Terry, Driver of Crying, Ryan Hannah Slam- Han- Ryan Hannah's Banana Slam and Jamathong. Damn, it's the first time I messed that up in a while. Isaac J, Taylor Tagel, Arjun Shanker, uh, again, Brandon M, Citizen High Five, Craig Kibble, Cyrus Marsh, Derek Enstum, DJ Denton, Greach Hanali, Hassam Alkasem, Jacob Turner, Jake Kiefer, Jeremiah Dobo, Joe Santangelo, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kaylin Wood, Cody Stark, Kyle Hashman, Kyle McClure, Matt McKay, Matthew M. Rice, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stacey Lynn, Zach Spring, Andrew Bohan, Sam Bankson, Adam, I wish I could finish like Ernie, another former junior goalie turned golfer, Antonio Gracias, Colorado 14ers, Connor Leighton, currently out of name ideas, Dave W., Evans Bingo Card, Jeremy Brocker, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Matt Keeler, Matt S., as good as it gets, the spirit of Harambe smiling down from heaven in a Darren Helm jersey, Trevor Pepovar, Vax Wax, and what the hell's Ron Francis smoking, and Zach Handyside. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at wingedwheelpod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.